Oh, you definitely should do that. It sounds like you're really good. <laughs> it does. But no, seriously, the next time that we're recording an episode, you have to do one of those at the front end. That's their song. I definitely did not change out of my sweatpants. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that. Let's do uh, let's do massive and perfect action. Just nice, quick, easy one. I'm in. We are live with episode five of the Reclaiming Man podcast. Uh, coming to you live from um, what is our location? Oh, the internet. Undisclosed. <laughs> Undisclosed. From everywhere. Coming to you live from everywhere. I'm your host, Scott Sylvie, and with me, as always, we have Preston, the Southern Canuck, Radomski. Hey. And we have Michael, the Mastermind Beck. Hey, guys. Hey, Gentlemen, how are we doing today? You know what? I'm loving doing these in the afternoon versus at 8.30 at night. I mean, I know that's Much not better be... level of energy. Yeah, I would agree. 100% agree. Yeah. We should uh, do it all the time. If you listen to our last episode, you will find that we discussed the importance of morning routine, and as part of that, we discuss how it gets harder throughout the day to complete things. Think if you don't get something done right away in the morning and you push it off to the afternoon and then you push it off to the evening. Oh yeah. It's harder and harder. So I agree with that. I so you're saying we should do this in our morning routine. Five, well, coming to you live from 5.30 a.m. Still dripping wet from our cold plunges. From our cold plunge. Cold plunge. Then live from the, the pool. Podcast. Yeah, right. Live in the well, cold pool. Can you imagine? When we have, well, yes, we will definitely do. Well, I don't know if we can do a full episode. We can do a short. We can do a short. Yeah. I mean, when it was, the pool was 58, 59 degrees, but it was 70 out last week. Mm-hmm. My wife and I were in there for like 12 minutes. It was amazing. Yeah. We could have kept going. So I think in that scenario, yeah, we could do one. I mean, we could also have friends join us so that they could talk like this. Yeah, I mean, that's how David was when we got it. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> so we all get into this cold plunge, Michael. It's me, Preston, and our buddy Dave. And now Preston and I have been cold plunging a lot. And to David's credit, he did it. And a lot of people wouldn't. And also to his credit, I know when Preston and I first started, we were not just walking in and going, you know, it was boom, 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 boom. But we get in and we immediately start having a conversation. And I just remember him saying, how are you guys talking? <laughs> and we're just you know like oh yeah this is really nice today you know just normal breathing normal talking normal it's pretty funny yeah all right episode five what are we so, talking about today yeah see today i wanted to talk about taking massive imperfect action this dovetails in nicely with episode three on growth mindset which is the idea that failure is okay and that it's far more important to take action as quickly and as often as possible than it is to try to wait until conditions are perfect. Because as we know, conditions will never be perfect. There will always be a reason to put it put off starting a podcast as a total random pulled off the top of my head example. You're trying to write a book or you want to go do improv the first time. It's significantly more important to take action today as quickly as possible than it is to try to set it up until things feel right. And so from a growth mindset 
perspective, why this is so important is because you're learning to embrace failure and being okay with failure. When you take massive imperfect action, by definition, it's not necessarily good. It's not optimal. But as part of taking action, the learning happens by doing, not by theorizing. Yeah, can I share a quote on that? Yeah, absolutely. From Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, in his essay on compensation. The law of nature is do the thing and you shall have the power, but they who do not the thing have not the power. And that fits perfectly in what you're saying. So, yeah, and I think what that means to me, at least, is when, especially if you're trying to do something new, like starting a podcast, So Ed Milet talks about the different stages of skill development. And you start out, level one is uh, unconscious incompetence. Not only are you dumb, but you don't even know it. And And then you transition to conscious incompetence. All right, I now know I'm dumb and I know what I'm dumb at or where I lack the skills. Step three is when you transition into conscious competence. So I now know how to do what I need to do, but I still have to think about it. So it's still taking energy or time. Step four is unconscious competence, which means I can do this task now without really thinking about it. And then step five is unconscious mastery. Without even thinking about it, I'm a master. And I think a very simple example of this is driving. Remember back when you were learning how to drive, everything felt like information overload. What are all these signs mean? I have to deal with this gas pedal, this brake pedal. I've got a turn signal on one side and a windshield washer on the other, wiper on the other, like which one is which? And then I've got the radio dial. I've got all this stimulus going on and I'm very uncomfortable. And now you fast forward, you get in the car with four kids and you just, you're on mostly autopilot, right? Because you have developed an unconscious mastery to driving. And I think it's a very simple example to demonstrate what we're getting at. And so the importance of, see the beauty of massive imperfect action when you're starting a podcast is if you fuck up, you don't kill your family. So it's actually, when you think about it, you should be much more comfortable. If you were comfortable enough to learn how to drive, you should be able to, to whatever is holding you back right now or whatever objective or thing that you're interested in doing that you're afraid to start, it's probably easier than driving was. A lot, lot lower level of resistance than walking. Yeah. You don't face plant. Right. And the consequences are much lower as well. But yeah, so I think it's really just about getting started and the process of getting started while it can be very uncomfortable all positive change in your life is almost always going to happen in some stage of discomfort and so as long as you're willing to go out there and get uncomfortable and start taking action find that the feedback loops you have between when you try something and you get feedback from from that effort and then you get to come back and return and try again the more of those feedback loops that you have the more likely it is you're actually to get good at something. And I think a lot of what holds people back from taking action is just that fear of failure. And I know we talked about this already, but you have to get out, you have to try, you have to fail. And, then, and the more you fail, the more you can use that, provided you're failing forward, as Maxwell talks about, as long as you're learning from your failures, then you will progressively improve. And another good analogy is if you want to go stand in front of an audience and give the t- the most important talk in your life. Do you want to do that when that's the only time you've ever 
given a talk in public? Or do you want to practice hundreds or thousands of times? Which one is more likely to deliver the outcome you want? Well, obviously the one when you've done all the practice, but if you don't have the time to put in the practice, like say, I don't know, what's an example? I guess if you know you have a wedding coming up, but maybe you have to speak right away at some type of an event that's important to you and you could not speak at all because you've never done that and you're not ready. If you take anything, there, you can always find opportunities, lower risk opportunities. Well, maybe not always. There's probably extremes that we could come up with. But to that example, hitting record on a podcast and then publishing it, all of us felt trepidation, nerves, and discomfort with it. Right. Yeah. With your analogy, you can practice in the mirror a thousand or 10,000 times. It's still not going to be speaking in front of a group of people. And there's something qualitatively different. The same thing with the podcast. We had been having conversations for months, but it's not the same as pressing record and realizing that in the course of an hour, you might say, um, or, uh, or like, we don't do that 200 times. We never do that. We're professionals, professional podcasters. <laughs> yeah. I just continued on that analogy. If public speaking is something that, you know, you have to do. There are always ways for you to find lower risk avenues to do that. So public speaking, whether it's this podcast, it could be volunteering for presentation at work. As a software engineer, I've given talks at work. I've offered to give presentations on this technology or whatever. And so that's the lowest risk because I know everyone in the audience and I probably know the subject really well. And then you expand one circle out outside of there and it's my local meetup groups where I probably know 20 people in the crowd. And I'm sure a lot of, pe of the other people I don't necessarily know directly know of me or I know of them or vice versa or through like we have mutuals or whatever. And then maybe the next step is going out to a national conference. Well, if the first talk I gave in front of thousands of people, I didn't do that just without all of these other steps, right? So there's two points maybe. One is don't set up the most critical and important moments in your life without having properly prepared for them. But number two is how you probably prepare for them is by taking massive imperfect action and starting today. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is a great example. How many times did we dwell over that first episode before it just became evident? I mean, but let's be honest. We recorded it three times because we were uncertain. We were insecure. And those are the two pieces, uncertainty and insecurity. We have been trained by society to fear what others might think about what we're doing. And it doesn't matter. The sooner that you can get to that realization that in order for you to accomplish whatever you're trying to do that's new in your life, you have to take a step into it and lean into it with the anticipation of failure along the way, temporary setback, as I prefer to look at them. Why? because you have such a negative connotation for the word failure? I just don't think it's a failure to have a temporary lack of success. And I think it's a good question that you ask. Failure, the condition of being insufficient or falling short. Now, if, if you yeah. define failure as a finite endpoint, then I would yeah. agree with you. Failure has historically been defined to me as a state. And I no longer look at myself as a failure in any area of my life.
and I don't look at not achieving 100% success as a failure. It's not quite as far along on the progression as I perhaps would have hoped for that given time interval, whether it's a day or a week or a year. But temporary setback versus failure feels more accurate, especially in the context of a growth mindset and massive imperfect action. I think there are like a couple of things you said that I want to touch on. Number yeah. one is it part of why massive imperfect action has become our unofficial motto. It's a forcing function for action and it's a mindset shift where the goal is no longer to achieve. The goal is to just be continuously striving. And you said something along the way that really helped me see it better about taking additional steps and things become more clear. Mm -hmm. Well, clarity is only discovered when you're taking action. Yes. You're never going to find clarity in the preparation. And accepting that you're never going to have 100% of the information that you need to right. make a decision. Right. It's redefining the threshold. For me, I used to want to have 99.9% .9 of it. Mm -hmm. And then you're crippled. You're paralyzed by mm -hmm. not having enough information to move. Mm -hmm. And changing that threshold back to 90 and then 80, then 70, or even saying, hey, I have a 50% chance of not getting this right. But by doing it twice, mm -hmm. I've eliminated one of the negative outcomes. Right. And the next time I can theoretically do it right or closer to right. Yeah. I mean, you're learning as you're failing. And that's probably the most important piece of this is that I talked about those feedback loops, right? So in software, we use this a lot where historically you, in the olden days, you'd hear companies in stealth mode. There were two, three years where they were just building and nobody knew what they were working on. And the problem I mean, they is they literally called it a waterfall and yeah. that analogy is frightening well, when you think about it. If you get to the three-year point of building and then you finally launch, but along the way, you never talk to a customer. There's a lot of companies that built really cool technology that never did anything because the customers didn't want it, right? And so the whole goal is to learn as quickly as possible. If you're looking to achieve an outcome, if you think about steering a ship, if you wanted to set sail from San Francisco Harbor to Tokyo, and you just pointed towards Tokyo once and said, this is the heading we're going to take, and you guessed, you think it's 262 degrees. I don't know exactly what it is. But the interesting thing is if you were to set that course, but you were off by two or three degrees, Instead of landing in Japan, you're going to sail right by Japan and you're going to end up in the Philippines a thousand miles away. And so the idea is to be in a constant state of course correction, to be constantly evaluating what you thought you knew versus what you're learning to then create what you now know. And I think of it in terms of a series of assumptions and hypotheses. So we can create an assumption around, let's say we want to run ads for our podcast. We want to promote our podcast in some way. And there's lots of different ways you can do that. You can run ads, 
You can get sponsorships. You can have guests on your show. You can be guests on other people's show. And any one of those will very likely produce growth for our podcast. But some of them may produce better growth. And so rather than us just saying, hey, we're going to go throw all of our chips in the middle and say that this particular technique is the one that's going to win, the approach needs to be, let's try lots of different things. And once we figure out what's working well and what's resonating with our audience, then we double and triple down on that. And from an entrepreneurial standpoint, if I were to invest $25,000 into Reclaiming Man, do I want to do that on day zero when we don't know what we're doing? We've never podcasted. We've never talked to a customer. Like I'm going to end up blowing a lot of money on something versus us going out and taking massive imperfect action for 90 days. And along the way, figuring out our voice, figuring out our audience, what's working, what's not. And then say, okay, you now have a foundation. Now, instead of this bit just being money that you're spraying and praying everywhere, you're now pouring it on like jet fuel on a fire for growth, right? And that's what I would liken or an, an example I would give for why massive imperfect action is so important. Couldn't agree more. An equally important part of the massive imperfect action is reflection and Looking the back on the learning, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Looking back on that period that you said ninety days, and having a system in place, which I know we'll do another podcast about systems and mm -hmm. pattern recognition and pattern utilization and pattern creation. But having a system for tracking what are the things that didn't go well. We're on iteration five of our podcast efforts, which we accept as. Nowhere near where we'll be on episode 55, but it doesn't matter provided that number one, we individually are getting value from this process. I know the end result is we're generally feeling more connected to each other. And as it progresses through the next several weeks and months, we'll be more connected to our audience because of what we're sharing. And you shared the analogy of a ship and that being off course, it made me think of the Apollo rocket analogy mm -hmm. where on the first Apollo launch to the moon, it was only on course for 3% of the time. It's about a quarter of a million miles, I think total, something like that. Seven, I think it was 7,500 miles only that it was actually on course. And you spend nine, that's 97% of your time you're spending off course. You're making course corrections along the way, but it's also very empowering because mm -hmm. there's the difference between having the motivation. I really want to do this, or I was, I saw this great podcast. I should start a podcast, but that motivation will dissipate pretty quickly without action attached to it. Now, if you're really motivated and you start to, I'm going to do the research and figure out, Hey, what are the best tools that we should use? And then to your point, Scott, it becomes this forcing function of. No, nope, we're going to record on this date. Therefore, regardless of how well prepared we are, we're pressing record. I just think there's like that. So the space shuttle analogy is a really good one where imagine if you instead said, well, we're not going to launch the Saturn V. We're not going to launch this rocket until we know we can be on course 100% of the time. Yeah. Would never happen. And it just fundamentally... Here's how I look at it. There's a lot of really fucking smart people with really good ideas. 
that can never get out of their own head. And those ideas never see the light of day. And on the flip side, there's a lot of fucking idiots out there who would have a starring role in idiocracy, for example, who have terrible ideas, but they just take action and they're persistent and they win. Yeah. And I used to want to build teams of A players. And what I think I've learned over the years is that a C player with A execution or a C team with A execution will outperform an A team with C execution all day long. So I know a big part of massive imperfect action is the fear of failure, the fear of looking stupid, of falling flat on your face. So Preston, maybe you could take a minute to talk about what are some thoughts, ideas, tips you might have on how do people overcome that and start taking bold steps towards their goals? I'm working on a podcast intro for somebody right now that wanted me to make them a podcast intro in the style of jazz. Pause. Anybody looking for a podcast intro? Hit up this guy. He's brilliant. (laughs) For sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. And his son has curly hair. And hello, Jackson, (laughs) sneaking up behind you. Hey, buddy. Super rad. (laughs) But so he's looking for a new podcast intro and he wanted in an upbeat jazz style. And so he asked me, can you help me make this podcast intro? And I was like, yes, I can do that. I don't know much about jazz. I don't really know how to play jazz, but I've been in bands for 20 plus years. I mean, I like jazz. I listen to a little bit here and there. And so I just told him, I'm going to make you the best thing I can make, but I'm just upfront. I don't have a background in jazz, but I am very creative and I just love making music. So I could have just told him, I don't know anything about jazz, but I do know a guy that can help you. But instead, which, you know, it could have easily done, but it's, and maybe the product that I end up making for him, he may not like, but I will have grown and I will have learned and whatever tip I can make for him. Pardon me? He lo- tip to our listeners, he loved what you produced. <laughs> We're still in the process of doing that. But draft mode. But yeah, you just force yourself to do something that might make you feel uncomfortable because you will grow from it. You will learn from it. You will be better at, well, for my sake, it's just a little bit better at playing jazz. I mean, as an aside, which is perfectly related in music, if you make mistakes, a lot of times they're like, oh, nice jazz notes. So (laughs) it's the truth. They'll be like, wow, that was really jazzy when you screw up. And it's, I mean, yeah, you've massive imperfect action. I've called out so many buddies on their quote unquote jazz many times and been called out on my jazz. So I know what you mean. But now it's becoming a thing of greatness. (laughs) So the notes I'd written down on massive imperfect action were overcoming perfection embracing failure, being realistic, overcoming fear and shifting your mindset, which is a summary of everything you just said. Yeah. You set realistic expectations, not only for you, but with your client in this case, bad tip to Jay. Yeah. (laughs) That this isn't my jam, but I can do it. And along the way, maybe you do put out a version or two that suck, but you're growing, you're learning, you're not afraid or you're at least overcoming the fear that Jay might come back and say, yeah, this isn't really what I want. But then you take that feedback. And if you have a growth mindset to that, you learn from that. As we've been discussing, you grow and you try again. And you're not worried about making it perfect before you send it to him. Did you send your first track or the second one? I know you you worked on a couple. Yeah. So you did the first one, didn't really like it and decided to try again. Yeah. And then rather than 
iterate on that forever. You just shipped it and said, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So along the way, you just hit all the bullet points. You shifted your mindset from, yeah, this isn't really my thing. I'm not really interested in this. Instead of leading with hesitation and self-doubt, you just took action. Yeah. And so you hit my summary. Basically, when we conclude this, Michael, in the post-production, can you just loop everything he said? And in conclusion, and then just cut back to Preston. Yeah. I mean, so I thought it's, that was really good. We can probably ship this, you know, yeah, that's the, the reality. We're going to, in many cases, get to the point where we can continue to talk for another five, 10 minutes on things, but we've already given a handful of poignant examples or anecdotes, analogies, et cetera. When we get to this 30 minutes in, yeah, all of us should be considering where are we at? Do we need to add anything else here? I think I especially think... for this topic, since it's massive and perfect action and it was right. meant to be a shorter ish episode. Yeah. I think you bring up great points. Right. You know. And also including some of this type of dialogue might yeah. end up happening in this because it's really helpful. Sure. Yeah. Okay, Preston, that was a great way to wrap this up. Let's uh let's close um, it out. Yeah. Yeah. So So yeah, Michael, I would say definitely find ways to include some of this dialogue because this is a great example of taking massive and perfect action and of the iterative process. And that's it for episode five of the Reclaiming Man podcast. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining today. And for all of you out there, please find us on YouTube at Reclaiming Man, TikTok, Instagram at Reclaiming Man, the Reclaiming Man Facebook page, and also subscribe to our newsletter on reclaimingman.com. If you found any of this of value, share it with a friend. That's the whole point of this is we are a tribe out there. So let's build this tribe. Share it with your buddies. Help us Take grow. Take massive imperfect action. Embarrass yourself in front of your friends. It's totally fine. That's what we did. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, y'all. Yeah, looking forward to hearing from some of you. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Peace. Have a good one. Happy. Have a great weekend. Happy Christmas. Uh, Happy. I'll get my fucking outro figured out. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna let Scott always run with the outro. Maybe that's gonna well, be just... my...